Good morning, Calvary. How are you? Good. It is a serve Sunday. We care about people, and I, I hope that you understand that a big part of what we try to do around here is bring application to God's truth. And those two have to go hand in hand. We, we want to provide people the, the means to help them so God cares about justice, so we care about justice. We're actually going to talk about that even more as the sermon goes on today. But as we go, everything that we're about is really helping people to connect with God, to serve God, and to build His kingdom. And that goes into our, our sermon series as well. The sermon series that we're doing is called Garden, if you haven't been here. It's the idea that the garden theme is found throughout the Bible. And that the garden in the Adam and Eve were in at the beginning was a place of perfect peace. It was a, a perfect relationship with God. There was a, a connection and an establishment that happened there. And what happened in the world was sin entered the world. And, and so we talked about trying to restore that garden theme back into our life, of turning over the soil of our hearts through confession of repentance and realizing that we need to come to Jesus. Then last week we talked about the idea of applying the, the theme of living water, that Jesus is our living water, and he wants to be with us throughout his day. So we encourage you to dive into his truth, to know his truth. Now, as I carry this illustration even further, and we sit there and go, how do we carry the living truth with us throughout the day? I want to give you a little illustration about how I think a lot of times people come to church hoping that the living water pours over them. They come on Sunday morning hoping that the pastor will open up a uh, fire hose and spread the truth of God over them like that. And then by Tuesday, they're all dried out and they're wondering where God went. We have a fire hose mentality. And sometimes we have the advanced class mentality, which is like we're going to come to church and fill up our canteen. And then when we get thirsty, we're going to take a little swig. But there's problems with both those illustrations because really what we're asking is when we're seeking the living water, when we're seeking God's truth to be with us so that we might produce the fruit that is designed for us to produce, the fruits of the Holy Spirit as evidenced in the garden, okay? When we, when we do that, it's really more of a, to use a gross illustration, like carrying a, an IV bag with us throughout the day, right? We're, we're constantly plugged into the truth. Now, some of us are like going, I don't relate well to the IV uh, illustration. So let me give you a modern day example. This is earbuds, right? All the youths have them, right? And so it's this idea of I can put this in, and when I put this in, I can not only talk, but I can hear. And this is what it's really designed. We're, we're designed to carry the presence of God with us in our ears, in our, in our life, throughout the day. So this is kind of the illustration that we do that. And the way that we do that is through prayer. Now, prayer is something that has been misaligned and often really been a problem in the church. In fact, when Jesus was first addressing the issue of prayer with the disciples, he was like, don't pray like them, because there were a bunch of religious hypocrites who were like going on and on, I'm sure, even though they didn't have the King James back then, they were doing the thous and the those, and you know how it is. It's like, I'm holy, look at how long my prayer is. And he's like, that's not how we should pray. So then the disciples asked a fair question. He said, Jesus, how should we pray? And his response is found in Matthew 6, 9 through 14. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. And so this very simple six-verse prayer has often been just recited. In fact, many of you may could recite it. But is it just simply the recitation of that prayer that connects us with God? Or what's the meaning behind the prayer? I want to take a, a little deeper dive into that today as we explore prayer. But first and foremost, I want to give you a couple things that prayer is not and what a prayer is. First of all, prayer is not to be used as a genie in the bottle. And that's often how we come to prayer. God, I have this problem. That's often how people come to church. God, I'm struggling. God, I need to feel something. This life feels chaotic. And so we come and we, it's like we go, okay, God, deliver. Show me you're good. And that's not really what prayer is about. Even though that's not what prayer is really about, I want you to see that prayer is actually simple. Prayer is not supposed to be difficult. So let's chase this last point back, right? If prayer is not supposed to be used as a genie in the bottle, one of the ways that we can see that we do practice that is, have you ever been to a four-year-old Sunday school class? Okay, do we have any prayer requests? My parents argued a lot last night. Can you pray for them? Just so you know, your four-year-olds probably do that quite often. And as you think about that, what they want is they're longing for that peace, right? But prayer should be simple enough that a four-year-old understands the basic concepts of prayer. Why? Because prayer at its heart is really about intimacy. It's reconnecting us with the Father. Prayer is about intimacy. So as a result, if we are to grow and nurture the soil of our hearts to allow the presence of God to grow in our lives, that's what we mean by the fruit of the Spirit, the peace, the love, the joy, the patience, the long-suffering, all those things, then we need to see that prayer is not just a reaction, but a proactive necessity of our spiritual life that connects us without, with God throughout the day. In other words, it's not just, oh, I'm thirsty, I'm, not, I'm having a problem. It is a proactive, intentional, purposeful part of our life connecting with us to God. So we are to orient our prayer first to the Father and second towards others. And in doing so, we will meet our deepest needs with Him. But go any further, before I go any further, I want to say the following. This prayer that we're about to break down is one form of prayer. You can pray through the Psalms. You could, I don't think Jesus meant this to be the only style of prayer that he offers. If you want a deeper dive in that, you can actually look at two books I would highly recommend. The first is called Prayer, creatively titled by Richard Foster. But let me encourage you, do not read that unless you're starting with prayer, because that is a difficult read and a challenging read. A good um, middle ground to that is actually the book Praying Like Monks and Living by Fools, Living Like Fools by Tyler Stanton. So either one of those, if you want to find me later, I'll be glad to recommend those as well. But as we dive into this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, I want us to see some truths orienting our minds towards the Father and some simple truths that will allow us to practice this this week. Because as I started the sermon, we want you to have the application of prayer with you. So if you're a four-year-old in this room, you can learn this. If you're 104 in this room, I'd like to meet you. But you can still learn this. 
So let's start at the beginning. It starts by God as holy. When he says, Our Father in heaven, your name is to be honored as holy. That word is often tainted, but really what it's describing is, if you think back to the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, there's a story where Pharaoh, uh, Moses is going to confront Pharaoh. And God has told Moses, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. We've covered this before. And Moses goes, wait, wait, wait. Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. Who should I tell him is sending me? And he says, tell him the great I am is sending me. The great I am, I am. When God describes himself, he says, I am. I am. What do we mean by that? It is every good thing in the world. So when you start really understanding what it means to look as God as holy, it's the idea that we're looking to the Father for his character. And what we're doing is we're, we're describing the characteristics of God. He is just and cares about justice. He is loving. He is faithful. He is righteous. He is a father figure. He is a nurturer. He is compassionate. He is long-suffering. He is patient. He is kind. And you can keep going through all those. He's a provider. He's a banner over me. He is a protector. He is a shield. And you know what happens when we start our prayers by focusing on God's character? I don't know about you, but when I, when I start thinking through those, even as I settle those words, if I could take a uh, blood pressure cup reading of everybody in this room, as I say the characteristics of God, you would probably see that the blood pressure of the room goes down. Why? Because there's something that's freeing to know that the God of this universe is holy. And as we start declaring who he is, we look at his character, it changes the way that we're supposed to view our world. And so then what ends up happening from there is as we begin to do that, we start looking at the next part. As we look at his character, we start going, okay, God, I see your character in heaven, so we want your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And so what we're really doing there is we're evoking the power of God. As we look at his character and notice his character, we're calling on his power to bring his kingdom to earth. Not power to get what I want, but the power of God. May your presence be felt. And the power is something that feels almost like taboo to talk in the American church. But there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in prayer. Let me give you two quick examples that you're going to be like, what? Pastor, say what? Okay, here's a go. When I was in high school, there was a camp we were going to, and the week before we were supposed to go to camp, the tabernacle was struck down by lightning, burned to the ground. So we aren't going to cancel camp. We're Texans. So we put up a, a huge tent, and in the middle of one of the services, a enormous Texas thunderstorm comes rolling in. Like the kind, is it going to start hailing? Is there a tornado attached to this? We're Texans. We don't run. And as we're sitting there through this, uh, it became so loud because it's a tent, not a tabernacle. We couldn't hear Dave Busby speak. And I'll never forget it. Dave, in the middle of the service, goes, Guys, you can't hear me, and I think God has a message for you tonight, so we're going to stop right now and pray that the storm would stop. And we're like, what? And he goes, Father, so that everyone can hear your word, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would cease the rain. Amen. And immediately when he said amen, the clouds broke and a rainbow came out. I'm not making this up. And you might be going, what? Like, it was that coincidence. Well, there's power in prayer. That was before radar. He couldn't see that the radar was coming, okay? At least radar on the phone. He didn't have the... Before the internet, y'all. Okay, so <laughs> as you're thinking about that, you're, you're, you're starting to get... Let me give you another story. I have a friend who's a missionary overseas. I won't tell you where, but it was in a remote village that had witch doctors. 
And she went to have lunch with this witch doctor and was talking to her about the power of Jesus. And this witch doctor said, oh, if Jesus is so powerful, can he do this? And she looked down at her bowl and her eating utensils stood up in her bowl. Now that sounds crazy to you and me. But right then she was like, I didn't know what to say. So I just said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop. And the utensils fell over. And the witch doctor went, how did you have the power to do? Get out. You see, there's power in the name of Jesus. And the reason that we don't often see the power is because we want the power to build up our kingdom. Our kingdom come. It's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom come. His will be done, which leads us to the third part. The third part of this powerful prayer is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you recognize that as we see his character, do you recognize that as we see his kingdom come, it's like, I want to be a part of that, so I'm going to go serve. I'm going to be a part of that, so I want to help change the world. I want to be a part of that because, God, I want a glimpse of what eternity will look like in the here and the now. This is mind-blowing when we change our prayer life to orient it around God's kingdom and not our own. And as we begin to do that, you're going to see the fruits of the Spirit. You're going to begin to feel the overflow. You're going to find the peace and the, the ability to, and God will start doing things with you. And then you're going to want to stay there. It's like with the pattern we talked about, the infinity loop that we talked about. You're going to taste the living water. And as the living water comes into your life, you're going to be like, oh, I want to know more about God. And as you start learning more about God, you're going to want to taste more of the nature of God. And as you, it's going to keep going and going and building and building. But here's the next part of the prayer. God, now that I've found your power, now that I live at the kingdom mindset, now that I've wanted your will to be done. Help me not to be distracted. So he says, give us today our daily bread. And what he's really saying there is, would you help us to meet our physical needs? And this is the idea of, I don't want to be distracted by the longing that I have of an empty stomach. Do you know an empty stomach can really distract you from finding God? It's not just an empty stomach, though. It's the physical needs. It's, I'm, I'm feeling like the world is unjust. It's the, God, provide for me the necessities so that I might stay focused on you. And some of you are like, yeah, I, I feel that. And I'm like, yeah, we probably have a bigger problem in this world of being too wealthy. And so I, can I argue that psychology supports that for the vast majority of people, if you have too much wealth, you're more miserable than if you have just enough. Why? Because you're worried about keeping it. You're, you're worried about maintaining it. You're like, how do we spend our vacation? Oh, no, we can only do three vacations instead of four and all these kind of ideas. And, and that's never what we were supposed to be about, that we're actually praying, God, give us our daily needs means don't give me too much or too little. That's actually scriptural too, right? So that I might not curse you. That's a, the proverb. So that I might, I might lift you up. God, give me what I need so that I might focus on you. Now, hear me. Some people, I do believe God gives wealth to use for the glory of God. And some people grab wealth for the glory of themselves. But if you have wealth and you don't use it for the glory of God, can I tell you, you will be miserable. And I don't promise much. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, help me not to be distracted by the physical needs of this world. And then God, help me... Not to be distracted by the brokenness of this world. God's forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others of their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offense. This is the idea of brokenness. It's the idea of, okay, I am recognizing that there is sin in this world. There is still poison fruit in this world. God, there is major problems that we have. 
So God, help me, forgive me when I go the wrong direction. And this goes back to the very first week where we're asking God, okay, God, what is the, the, the soil of my life that I need to turn over? What do I need to give to you? What, what is the hardness of my heart that I need to till up and, and remove those rocks and remove those boulders so that to allow the nurturing presence of God to begin to grow? And to blo- God, keep me from the brokenness of my life, but also help me to forgive the world of their brokenness. Church, can I tell you a big problem that we have is the church has a hard time forgiving the brokenness of the world. And we want to act like God and judge and wonder why people aren't following God when we aren't showing them God. Instead, we're just judging them. And I think there's two real problems with this this idea of forgiveness. Either we don't accept forgiveness or we won't give it. And if we don't accept forgiveness, then we're going to miss out on the love of God. But if we don't give love and we're we're mad at everybody and, and constantly judging. And sometimes there's people in the church who don't think they're mad, but they're actually mad at the other people in the church who aren't forgiving. And you're like... Are you serious right now? You're mad at it. If you are mad, if you spend your life bitter, guess what you don't find? The fruits of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so if you live your life jaded, that's on you, but it's because you've allowed, and so you need to pray this prayer. God, forgive me. Help me to, to forgive others. And, and to Once again, it's the blood pressure check. I'm not giving the reins of my emotions to the distractions of this world, to the brokenness of this world, but rather I'm focusing on a kingdom mindset, a healing mindset, a restoration mindset, and I will not be perfect, so I will ask forgiveness again. But God, help me not to be distracted through my brokenness and the brokenness of others of remembering that this is about you. That'll preach to myself. And finally, what he's saying is, so God, deliver us from temptations. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. I want you to see that temptations aren't a sin. How do I know that? Jesus' ministry starts with the temptation where the, uh, Satan takes him up on the mountainside, and it ends with Jesus being tempted in the garden. Wait, Jesus is tempted in the garden. In fact, I would say that the more you try to set up your garden for the kingdom mindset, the more you'll likely be tempted. <laughs> Welcome. But God shows up, and so it doesn't say God... The prayer is not, God, help me not to have temptations. It says, do not bring us into temptation. Help us not to dive in, but deliver us. Temptations are not a sin. Giving in is. So sometimes we need to breathe. When, when we see a temptation, you have five seconds. You've heard me say this. You have five seconds when you're tempted before it takes root. You need to say, I'm not going that way. So I don't want to be distracted so that I can do the will of the Father. So prayer invites us to surrender our chaos for the peace of the Father. Now, all of that's walking through all this, but I want us to take a moment to look at this because this is a key factor. You can screenshot this if you want, if you can QR code if you want to take this. If not, just remember this. Here's what I believe is detrimental. This is my strong theological opinion. I believe this is how we practice prayer far too often. Everybody take out your left hand and cover up the father part. All you see is the distractions. That's how we pray. I can't believe you all actually did that. Kudos. I was like, wow. <laughs> Note to self, they actually did it. Um, first service did not, so that floored me, Okay. <laughs> 
But what we do is we, 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 we see the physical needs. God, help me. God, we see the brokenness. And so we go and we say, God, I don't want to be driven by my brokenness or my, my longing. God, I don't want to be tempted in any world. But we don't actually focus in on what the point of life is. The point of life is to look back to the Father, to find our sustainer, to find the character of the great I am, to find the hope, to find the truth, to find the power of who he is. He is the great I am. Why are you looking to your own power? You want your prayer life to work? Stop covering up the left side of the picture and do the whole picture. Daniel, you said you're going to help us to apply that. How do I apply that? Because I don't know, this seems overwhelming right now and I don't really know what I'm doing and I want to go in a hole and hide. You're my people. So I want to give you just a simple prayer. Once again, this is not the only way to pray. This is a practice of what we're preaching. It is a tool to help us. And I want us to look at this simple prayer this morning of how we can apply this, maybe even this week, how we can stay connected. When you're feeling the temperature rise, when you're feeling your blood pressure rise, the kids are, yes, right? The friend is, boyfriend, the girlfriend, the spouse is, mm, you are, mm. how do we handle that? I want us to start by first going, okay, let's look at the simple prayer. Name one characteristic trait of God and dwell on it. We're going to give you an example. We're going to just walk through this in a minute. But name one characteristic of God and walk through it and dwell on it. And then after that, you're going to bring that, that characteristic of God into his kingdom. You're going to notice one way that God is moving. And then you're going to ask God through that to equip you to serve, to carry his kingdom and then from there, you're going to sit there and go, okay, God, here's my worries. Here's the, 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 the parts of my life I'm sitting where God, provide. God, you're going to have to show up. I, I'm not a speaker. I don't have to, you know, that kind of stuff. God, show up and, so that I might stay focused on that. And then I'm going to confess any bitterness I have that's keeping me from that. And I'm going to ask deliverance from what is distracting you. So I'm going to give you two examples, and then I'm going to invite you to, to find your own this week and do it. First one, let's go back to the simple prayer again. Name one characteristic of God and dwell on it. Let's say you read your Bible in the morning and you see he is a just God. And you're like, I like that. I needed that. Thank you, God. And throughout the day, you're like, God is just. Why is this world not just? I'm so mad. You're going to stop and you're going to say, God is a just God. I'm going to dwell on the fact that he was always cares about justice. And I'm going to notice one way God is moving through justice in this world. So Isaiah 17 just gave us a perfect example. The church that's going on the serve community. And I'm going to declare that there are people trying to do that. And God is moving through those justice issues to help people find and connect with God. I'm going to see that God has not abandoned the justice issue. And I'm going to dwell on it and see how his kingdom is coming down the earth. And I, I want to be a part of it, which leads me to the next part. God, give me the eyes to see how I can bring justice to the world I'm in. So maybe when the person at the gas station is being chewed out by the person in front of you, you're going to calm that person down, or you're going to help the gas station attendant after the other person lets out, or you're going to offer an encouragement. Or maybe when there's a, another problem of an orphan, you're going to help give them a home through a foster system. You're going to find a way. God, help me to see how you have wired me, because you can't solve all the problems, but God, give me one way that I can bring justice into the world. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to say, God, now help me. Give me what I need to do this. So maybe the person in front of you is being chewed out. And you're like, I don't know if I have. Give me the courage, God. Give me what I need to carry that out so not, I'm not worried about that. God, help me to forgive the person that was mean to them. 
God, help me to forgive the fact that I'm not always a just person, that I, I, the enemy wants to tell you the characteristic of God you can't carry out because you're not good enough. You're not, but God, amen? So you're going to say, God, help me then to carry that out. Help me to get a little lens of that, to bring that in. And then God, deliver me from the distractions that I have. I was on a busy schedule. I was supposed to be at work 10 minutes ago. God, there's a kid in the back seat crying. God, help me to do that. One example. Maybe another example. Maybe you're ridden with worry this week over provision. Anybody ever been there? Don't raise your hand. We've all been there. Okay? And as you're sitting there thinking about it, I want, to, I want us to see, God, how am I going to face this? Let's go back through this simple prayer. I'm going to name one character. Maybe you're losing sleep overnight over God's provision. You're going to sit there and go, okay, God, what does this look like? Well, you're, I'm going to count on the fact that God is faithful. Amen. Is that a characteristic of God that we believe? Do you believe that God is faithful? If God is faithful, then I'm going to dwell. Notice one way that God is moving. Do I have food on my table and a roof over my head? Amen. Have I seen God do other things in my life? Start listing them. Name as many ways that God has been faithful to provide in the past and trust that he will do that. And then I'm going to find a way to ask God to quit to serve me. So that may mean cutting up a credit card. (laughs) It may mean saying, okay, I'm going to cancel the vacation. It may mean that I'm going to make a hard choice. But God, give me the courage and the ability to do that so that I can go where I need to go. So that I can faithfully follow you to not be driven by my kingdom, but your kingdom. And then I'm going to go into the place where I'm going to go to the uh, idea of provision. So God, help me as I worry about this to no longer worry about. God, give me what I need, nothing more, nothing less. And there's something freeing about saying, God, don't give me more than I can handle. Don't bless me beyond my abilities. (laughs) I can't tell you how freeing that is, okay? And then as you do that, some of you are like, I don't want to do that because you might take away, okay? And then as you're going to do, you're going to ask, God, forgive me when I become selfish. God, forgive me when I'm mad at people who are greedy. God, forgive me when, I, when I, I'm consumed with consumerism and, and keeping up with the guy down the street or the couple down the road or the white picket fence house that I long or the housing market, amen. When I, forgive me, God, when I become jaded, I will not be like that. So deliver me from that temptation, God, so that, here's the key, I might refocus in on the Father. So, just for a moment, let's go through that slide again. And I want, I want you to name it. You're going to hear a little music playing in the background, maybe. You're going you're to see all this unfold, but I, I want you just to imagine that. You can bow your head if you want. You can, because here's our daily training. I want you to practice simple prayers throughout the day. I want you to stay plugged into God so when you feel your blood pressure rising, when you feel the anxiety come, when you feel distracted, and even before then, throughout the day, you're going to do this. So what's, what's keeping you right now? And name one characteristic of God. Maybe even breathe it in. He is... And then I want you to see some way that he's moved and is moving through that. What's one way that you can dwell on that, that he's trying to bring his kingdom a little glimpse of what it looks like to rest in him? And then ask God to give you the eyes to see what he wants you to do with that. Again, it doesn't have to be long. 
The Lord's Prayer was six sentences, six verses, I mean. Then I want, to, I want you to ask for the provision. I want you to ask him that he would give you what you need to face this, to provide for you. And for forgiveness for your heart and for those who have hurt you. And then pray a prayer of deliverance that you would not be distracted but focused on the kingdom. We'd love to pray with you at the end of the service. If you'd like to, we have a prayer team that will meet you or tell you more about Jesus and how you can follow him. But right now, let's focus on the same God that we've always served, that is always faithful, that is always loving. God, we thank you for who you are. And we ask right now that you help us to work the gardens of our souls, our hearts, our minds. God, in this room now, we don't want to drink from a fire hose anymore. We want to have the living water stay with us. So God, help us to plug into you and to stay plugged into you throughout our day. And when we fail, help us to get back up. God, I thank you that you are forgiving, God. I thank you that you are a present God. So God, may your will be done. May your kingdom come here as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily needs and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God, and help lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Your name is to be praised above every other name, for you are the great I am. You are the provider of the Jehovah Jireh, the banner over us, the faithful one, the leader, the Lord, the source of our hope, our strength, our constant, our alpha and our omega, the beginning and the end, the great I am. You are everything we need. So come. Move. Amen.